Hi, welcome to Coast Hills Church Weekend Online Sermon by Pastor Chet Lowe. We invite you to attend our services on Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. Our address is 5 Pursuit, Lisa Viejo, California, 92656. We hope to see you soon, and God bless. Would you remain standing as we honor God in His Word? If you need a Bible, um, there's a Bible in the seat back pocket in front of you. Otherwise, you can follow along with the Scripture that's behind me. It's John chapter 14, uh, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Our Father, we stand to honor you this morning. You're our God. And you're our God in good times, and you're our God when it's not so good. And Father, we are thankful that we can rely and trust in your word that it's always true, always true. And our prayer that as we study your word, that you would speak to us. And Lord, that you would come to us. Holy Spirit, we ask you, have your way in our church today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Lord, we lift up to you, Jimmy. We lift up up to you, Debbie. We pray in Jesus' name that you would hear our prayer and touch their bodies. Lord, we pray for the Wa people who we've been ministering to in Myanmar and the recent persecution they've been going through because they're Christians and because they're Wa. I ask in the name of Jesus that you would encourage them, inspire them to trust you in your word. It's in your name we pray, and all of God's people said, amen. Would you have your seat? As you are having your seat, if you want to take out your Bible, there's a couple of areas of Scripture that we're going to be at today. Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, as well as Isaiah, chapter 11. Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, Isaiah, chapter 11. But before we begin the sermon, I want to introduce you to a very, very special friend of mine. Now, I know you're probably saying, okay, baby dedication, special music, bring up Jody. How many more special friends that do you have? I have many. Look at you, okay? So I want to introduce you to a special friend of, friend of mine. Now, he's an older fella, okay? He's much older than me. In fact, um, we're getting ready to begin our, our 55 and older ministry here at um, uh, uh, Coast Hills. And you know how we've been naming things like um, Campus at Coast and Community at Coast. And um, I was with a precious couple yesterday, and she said, well, maybe we'll name it Crutch Mudgeons at Coast. Um, and I thought that was perfect. But, you know, he's much older than me, this friend of mine, but he loves people. He loves people. And I've noticed with this man that uh, he, his, his love for people comes from his passionate love for Jesus Christ. Um, I remember when my brother died and my father died, 
um, Andre called him up. And he was there for me. He was there for me. Uh, He gave me a psalm, and he just knew exactly what to say to comfort me. He, he, he actually loves to talk. He loves to talk a lot. And he knows a lot. He knows a lot about everyone. He knows a lot about everything. It just seems like he actually knows everything. And one time, him and I had a trip together. And it was just him and I. I went on a fishing trip with him, and we had about three days, and he didn't stop talking. And it was just kind of like I couldn't get a word in edgewise for several days. He just loves to talk. He loves to talk and he loves to pray. He loves to talk and he loves to pray. And, he, he, and I love when he prays for me. Because sometimes like I'll talk to him about some things and I won't know exactly what to say. But when he prays for me, it's like, oh yeah, that's what I wanted to say. I'll, I'll never forget. I mean, he's been in my life a long time. I'll never forget when I was praying for this girl that I thought would be my wife. And, you know, as he was praying, he wasn't praying for that girl. He was just praying for my wife. It's just kind of like he just knows exactly what to pray for because that girl wasn't my wife. And I'm very grateful that I got the wife that I got. And don't ever, don't, uh, and the ladies, Dana claps. (laughs) And don't ever try to pull a fast one over on him. Don't ever try to do it. He's way too wise to be led down the wrong path. He's too honest. He's too honest for that. And sometimes his honesty bothers me. I I want to be a little bit, you know, like older people, how they can just say whatever they want, right? You know, and sometimes it bothers me because he just sticks to the truth. There's no turning to the right. There's no turning to the left. He just tells you the truth. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of glad sometimes because oftentimes it protects me, his truth, when I actually seek his advice. Because I've noticed that when I don't seek him, sometimes I, I make bad decisions. And what I've realized with my friend is that it really grieves him when I make bad decisions. And let me tell you something about it. He's a little strong-willed. He is never afraid to tell me when I'm wrong. He is never afraid to say, you got a problem and it needs to be fixed. But he's always willing to forgive me. He's always willing to say, hey, Chad, I forgive you. He's always willing to say, I'm with you. I mean, he's just such an incredible friend. He's willing to walk through the problem with me. Now, I know I'm taking a long time to introduce him, but I just need you to know who he is. So I got one more thing. He's really smart. He is really smart. In fact, he has written several books in a series. It's unbelievable how many books he has written. In fact, when I introduced him to you, he's so famous. You're going to know who he is. So when I was writing my book, I called him up. And I said, hey, I'm writing a book. I'd like you to help me put it all together. And he's been my friend for such a long time that he was able to remind me of all the things that God has done in my life and be able to put all the things together so that the story would glorify God. In fact... He was there in one of my stories when I got ambushed in Liberia. He was was there with me. And as old as he is, I was amazed at his strength. I couldn't believe how strong he is. He just blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. And I would actually have to say it was because of him that I actually survived. 
It was because of him that I actually lived through that. He's really special to me. And I want to introduce you to him. He is the Holy Spirit. He's my friend. And I want you to know who he is. Oh, he's been with me a long time. Now, some of you, you're smiling at me. Some of you knew where I was going. Some of you were trying to figure out who is this person that Chet is talking about, and some of you just woke up, so we want to welcome you too. <laughs> I want to introduce you to my friend, because that's what Jesus was doing in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, he is introducing them to the Spirit of God. He says in verse 12, listen to the introduction, because I'm going to the Father, and he begins the introduction of who he's going to send so that they will be able to do greater things. He wants to let them know that he's their helper. He wants to let them know that he's their comforter. He's the one that will guide you. He's the one that will lead you. He's the one that will direct you in the physical absence of Jesus. He wants to assure them that he won't leave them as orphans, that he's going to give his spirit. So in John chapter 14, look at verse 16. He goes on to introduce the spirit of God, and he says, and I'll ask the Father. He'll give you another helper to be with you forever. Look at verse 17. Even the spirit of truth. Go with me over to verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, and just like me, he takes several verses to introduce the spirit of God, whom the Father will send in my name. He'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. In fact, throughout the last moments of Jesus, the, the topic that he's going to address more than any other thing is about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to convince the disciples, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm going to be with you. The world won't see him, but you will know him, for you know who he is. He will be in you. He will be with you. He will come upon you because he's got a mission. And this mission, I, I want you to look with me. Would you go with me over to John chapter 16? Go with me to John chapter 16. Just flip over a page. Look at verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare to you. You see, he's a helper and a comforter. He's a guider because he wants to guide us to glorify God in our lives. That's his ultimate purpose. To glorify God in our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He guides us to that truth where he wants to lead us to the place where all the decisions that we are making, everything that we are saying is to glorify God. And John, oh, just a little bit later, in 1 John chapter 3, he promises that the Holy Spirit will abide with us. He'll never leave us. In fact, he says, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, he's the seal of our salvation. He's the stamp on us to let the enemy know you can't touch them unless you go through me. They're mine. 
They're stamped. They are sealed. That's his mission. His mission is that we glorify God, and he has a way for us to accomplish that mission. And this mission that he has us on, well, Jesus tells us in John chapter 6, the Spirit gives life. Oh, this is not just a regular old life. Oh, no, this is an abundant life that Jesus tells us in John chapter 10 that when the Spirit of God is in us, the kind of life he has for us here, he calls it abundant. And gang, there's nobody, no better person to introduce us to Jesus than, excuse me, to introduce us to the Spirit of Christ than Christ himself. Who would know him better? I mean, he's the Spirit of Christ. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8. So there's no one better to introduce us to the Spirit of Christ than Christ himself. You see, Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 1 verse 20 that Jesus was conceived of the Spirit. No wonder Jesus would then tell us in John chapter 3, you've got to be born of the Spirit. Well, Jesus was conceived of the Spirit. And so he communicates that in this new life that we need to be born of the Spirit. In fact, the only reason that we're saved is because the Spirit of God worked on our hearts to convince us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Stop and just think about that for a moment. Luke tells us, Luke tells us, in fact, I'm going to read it for you in Acts chapter 10. You don't need to turn there. I'm going to read it for you. He tells us that Jesus went about in the power of the Spirit. Listen to this. Not only conceived, but in Acts chapter 10 verse 38, we learn that Jesus went about in the power of the Spirit. Look at verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. In other words, with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he went about doing good. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. No wonder Jesus would tell the disciples, tell you and me, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He knew the power of the Holy Spirit. He operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's no one better to introduce us to the Spirit than Jesus himself. Now, I want you to turn with me. Go with me to Luke chapter 4. Let's see how the power of the Spirit operated in the life of Jesus. Look at verse 14. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned. And maybe you want to underline this in your Bible because there's no better person to tell us about the Spirit than Jesus because he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And the report about him went through all the surrounding country, and he taught them in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Filled with the power of the Spirit, Jesus operated in the supernatural, and he taught the Word of God. Listen to those two things. Filled with the power of the Spirit, he operated in the supernatural, and he taught the Word of God. And I want you to see, don't miss the impact The entire surrounding region heard of Jesus because he operated in the supernatural and he taught the word of God. Think of the impact our church can make in the power of the Spirit. Operating in the supernatural, giving our gifts to the Lord and teaching of the word of God, knowing how to use those gifts. Think about our impact in Elisa Viejo and Laguna Niguel and all the cities around us, even stretching into the rest of the world. They heard about him 
because he was filled with the power of the Spirit. But what does it mean, Chad? I mean, come on. I hear this all the time. What does it mean to be filled with the power of the Spirit? We have to go maybe back to the Old Testament. There's a guy by the name of Bezalel. Now, maybe that's an unfamiliar word for me. I had to practice it all week just for it to come out like how it just came out. I'm actually shocked it came out as good as it did. I'm not going to say it again. You can find his name in Exodus chapter 3. And let me explain about this fella. Excuse me, Exodus 31. Let me explain about this fella. He was given special skills, special knowledge, and special intelligence to design the tabernacle. He was given the gift of architect engineer of the tabernacle And the Bible says, by the power of the Spirit of God. Gideon! Gideon was given a strategy by the power of the Spirit to overcome thousands of uh, uh, soldiers of an army with only 300 men. By the power of the Spirit. David! David wrote about Jesus how many years before Jesus even was born in the Psalms? By the power of the Spirit. Isaiah. Isaiah tells us more than any other prophet about the Spirit of God and his power. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 11. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 11. You might want to keep your finger in Luke. We're going to come back to it. But let's see what Isaiah says about how the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, filled Jesus. Look with me in Isaiah 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. No, you got to stop there for just a minute. A stump shall come forth. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but I lived in Montana for about four years. I know, Florida boy, Bahama boy, lived in Montana. I actually built my home. And when I built my home, um, I put all the plumbing on the outside walls. The first winter was 66 below. Okay. I had to put a hair dryer on my key switch just to turn the car. I don't know snow. I don't know 66 below. We had to leave four years later. I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take it. And one of the things that we had to do all spring was go out into the woods and find old stumps and cut them down because we wanted to find stumps because stumps were dead. And stumps, they, 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 did, they didn't like uh, uh, have any life in them. And they burned so good. And I had to get eight cords of wood. So I was always cutting down these stumps or these dead trees. Wait a second. The stump shall... Wait, out of a stump shall come a shoot? Well, stumps are dead. Well, that's the point. Isaiah's introducing us to the Spirit. The Spirit is supernatural. The power of the Spirit goes beyond humanity. It stretches into death that becomes life. It walks on, allows us to walk on water. It causes us to rise above our problems. A stump shall bring forth a, a, a shoot, a branch of Jesse. A branch of Jesse. Jesse was a man. And Isaiah is letting us know that Jesus is a man. He's the God-man, and the Spirit of God would fill this man in the same way that he fills people today. And Isaiah is letting us know that, that the Spirit shall produce fruit, shall bear fruit. And there's nothing more evident, nothing more evident as spiritual fruit than the flow of love out of a Christian. And Jesus was in love with God. 
And Jesus was in love with people so much that he died on a cross. The greatest evidence of the flow of the Spirit through you is the love that you have for God and the love that you have for people. And now that he's introduced the Spirit to us, Isaiah wants us to let us know what the power of the Spirit looks like. So he says, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of the Lord. You see, Isaiah wants to let us know, just like Jesus in Luke 24, that the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, comes from God Almighty. He's from the Lord. And Jesus, in Luke chapter 24, he would tell the disciples, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait there for the power that comes from on high. He's the power from the Lord. That's who the Spirit is. And he'll rest upon Jesus. And you remember this glorious moment. There is Jesus at the Jordan. And as he was being baptized to fulfill all Scripture, to show and set an example of what it means to return to God, as he rose, the Spirit of God descended like a dove. wasn't a dove, but like a dove. It just looked like a dove to John the Baptist. And he came down, and he rested on Jesus and came upon Jesus. And it was after that moment that Jesus turned water to wine. And he began to do all of his miraculous gifts to set an example for us. See, in Acts chapter 2, Jesus had told the disciples in Luke 11, listen, if you want the Spirit you got to ask for him. It's that simple. You just have to ask for him. And so in Acts chapter 2, when the disciples were waiting in Jerusalem, the Bible says they were in prayer. Well, that means they were asking God. They were asking God for the Spirit. And faithful to his word, after they had learned it in Luke 11, there they were putting the word of God into practice. And the Spirit of God, simply because they asked, fell upon them and uh, gave them power. And in the same way, when we ask, he fills us with his power. When we ask, it's that simple. He just fills us with his power. Now look at the impact of his power in Jesus, the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of understanding. You see, the spirit knows the father. He's the spirit of wisdom. God is all wise. That's what Jude tells us. And the Spirit knows the Father, and he knows the Father's ways, so he's able, listen, the Bible says, to have understanding. This word means administer the affairs of the kingdom. That's why Jesus says he'll guide us into all truth, because the Spirit of God knows the truth of the way God wants his kingdom done. Look what else is the power of the Spirit in the life of Jesus to be the Spirit of counsel. And the spirit of might, spirit of counsel and might. Now, I need to define this word counsel for you. It's the word purpose in Hebrew. And what he's saying is he knows the purpose of the Father and he knows the task at hand. He knows that Jesus is going to go to the cross. And the spirit of God is mighty. And he will empower Jesus to accomplish the task that the Father has given him to do. Same for you and I. You see, so much so, Isaiah later, you can write it down in your scripture. It's Isaiah chapter 42, verse 4. The Bible says about Jesus that he will accomplish the task, that he will not fail. And that is because of the might and the power of the Spirit that's available for us today in the asking. When we're struggling in our faith, we can ask the Spirit, and he gives us the power like he did Jesus to accomplish the task of the Father. But he's the Spirit, look at this, is the, of knowledge. And fear of the Lord. 
What Isaiah is letting us know is that Jesus would, would respect, he would revere the Lord and his word, and that he would do whatever the Father is and whatever the Father asked him to do. The Spirit would enable him to do and accomplish the work in the same way the Spirit will enable us to do and accomplish the word of God. We are able We're able to do the word because of the power of the Spirit. Now, I know the enemy wants to lie to us. You can't do that. It's too hard. He's right in some sense because what God has asked us to do, we learned in John chapter 14. It's so far beyond our humanity to go the second mile and to forgive and love our enemy, but he's given us a helper so that we can accomplish beyond our humanity and walk in the power of the Spirit. And the God-man Jesus once again sets the example for us of what it means to walk in the power of the Spirit. Now, go back with me to Luke chapter 4, because I want us to see how the power of the Spirit practically is lived out in the life of Jesus to accomplish the mission that we learned about last week. So look with me in Luke chapter 4. Let's go to verse Uh, 16. And he came to Nazareth. And remember, Nazareth is his home. When he had been, where he had been brought up, and it was his custom, he went to the synagogue, and on the Sabbath day, and uh, he stood up to read. This was a tradition of the elders that a speaker would come, and they would just simply read the scroll. He takes the scroll as the speaker that day, and now in verse 17, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Once again, Isaiah letting us know something more of the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Now, some of, you, some of you might wish that I would do that one day. I'll just get up, do the scripture reading, go sit down. The rest of you can go home and grab your lunch, right? I'm not Jesus. I don't have the power that he has with the word of God. So I've got to explain it a few, okay? So he sits down, and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, I want you to underline this in your Bible. Today... This scripture is, 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 has been fulfilled in your hearing. This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You see, filled with the power of the Spirit, he's now explaining what that power is going to look like in the world. He's going to explain the work of the Spirit, which is the practical way to glorify God here. That's what the Spirit does. Remember, his ultimate goal is that we glorify God. And Jesus explains for us what this practically looks like. He says, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. Now, I know that might be hard for us to understand if we're not Jewish, so let me help you understand. When the priest would take the priesthood, They would take a vial of oil, they would pour it over the priest, and David says how beautiful it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It's like when the oil drips down on Aaron's beard all the way down to his feet. In other words, it's a perfect representation of the power of the Holy Spirit when we gather together in unity. And the Spirit of God was symbolized in this oil, and they would anoint the priest with the oil to symbolize he's set apart, he's anointed for the work of the ministry. 
Well, Peter tells us in 1 Peter that we're a priesthood. Peter tells us that like the priests of old, that we are priests anointed by God by the power of the Holy Spirit set apart for the mission of the Holy Spirit. Well, well, what's his mission, Chad? Come on, let's get to it. Show me how I can display this, this power of the Spirit of God living in me. He says here, look, all we have to do is read it. Proclaim the good news. Proclaim the good news. Let me explain. A herald was sent by a king to give a message. Let me give an example. There was a time in Jewish history when there was a king of Persia that was convinced by a man by the name of Haman that all the Jews should be exterminated. Uh, We've even seen this in our modern culture where the enemy tried to exterminate the Jews. It's been their plight because the enemy hates the Jews as much as he hates Christians. And so this king of Persia got his idea from this guy by the name of Haman, we're going to exterminate the Jews. So he sent out a message on this day. He sent out a herald on this day. All the Jews are going to die. You can kill the Jews in your community. And thanks be to God, he always places people in the right place. And little Jewish Hadassah became Queen Esther. And she stands up to the king. Now listen, I've been to that palace, okay? It's called the Palace of a Thousand Colonnades. The door, it's in Iran, the door was opened by elephants because the hinge was a cedar of Lebanon. It, 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 uh, the hinge was like this big around, I can't, uh, this big around. And elephants would open the door so that you could go into the king. I've seen it with my own eyes. This isn't like I saw a picture. I stood in the hole where the piece of wood would have been, the tree would have been to open and hinge this door. I've seen it. When you look down the room... He's two football fields away. Now imagine little Esther opening that door, kind of creeping in like this, and walking with her head down for two football fields to get to the king, wondering when he's going to cut off her head. And God had his woman in the right place, who by prayer and fasting walked up to that king and convinced the king, and she saved the Jews. Now another herald is sent Hey, Jews, you don't have to die. You can live. Queen Esther saved you. What great news. What a gospel that the Jews don't have to die. And Jesus, as a herald, came to the world. You don't have to die. And by the power of the Spirit, he fills us where we, like a herald, get to go to the world and announce, you don't have to die. There's a message from God. Not only proclaiming the good news. Oh, no. The Spirit of God and his power proclaims liberty to the captives. It's persecution.com. Voice of the martyrs. And I start there because maybe you won't know the name Richard Wurmbrandt. Richard Wurmbrandt, he was a Christian in communist Romania. For 14 years, he was in jail for the gospel. And he prayed every single day. 14 years. I listened to him teach a sermon before he passed. And he, he, he said, I looked into a mirror. And he said, the worst torture that they gave me in that jail 
was forcing me to look at my face. I couldn't recognize myself anymore. They had knocked out my teeth. I had lost so much weight that I didn't know who I was. I had lost all hope until a soldier walked into my my jail cell and said, you're free. Imagine the power of that message to that man. And we get to walk right into the drug addict's life. And we get to walk right into the marital problem. And we get to walk right into that runaway kid. We get to walk right into that troubled child. We get to walk right into that hospital room and proclaim the freedom that's found in Jesus. That's our God. And he wants to empower us to do the same. And look, recovery of sight to the blind. Oh, we already knew this. From a stump came a shoot. You have to understand the Spirit of God goes so far beyond humanity. No, He's not natural. The Spirit of God is supernatural. Jesus walked on water. The water became ice. Jesus just kind of went, foom, 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 and He just stepped like stepping stones straight to the apostles. He fed 5,000 people with just five loaves and two fish. He healed the sick because Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, operated in the supernatural. Now, this is not foreign to the Spirit. You remember what the Spirit did? Five million people crossed on dry ground. There's no big deal for Jesus, for the Spirit of God. He just sneezed, and the, and the Red Sea went like this overnight. He went, achoo, and Unbelievable. I mean, let, let's continue to pray for the East Coast, but we don't want the Spirit to, spe- to sneeze too much because Cat 5 hurricanes are rough. I've been through them. Understand, he knows his own power. What about Samson? The power of the Spirit came on Samson. And, and, and Samson had an anger problem, first and foremost. But, you know, he tied 200 foxes together because he was mad. And he lit their tails on fire and ran, and ran them through the uh, uh, Philistines' field. You would think that maybe his anger would calm down around Fox 50, right? You know, it, it's one of those things. But the Spirit of God was using Samson, and he was going to end up teaching Samson a lesson. And by the Spirit of God, one man would bring down 3,000 people with just pushing columns. The Spirit of God. What about David with Goliath? Spirit of God. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Though walking in a fire, they were completely free and didn't burn. Or Daniel, who the Spirit of God shut the mouths of the lions. Oh, the Spirit of God. His power is supernatural, and he wants us to operate in the supernatural today. In fact, our ladies... Our ladies are in the midst of an Acts Bible study. And you know there's no the end to the book of Acts? There's no the end. Because we are still living in the supernatural acts of the Holy Spirit of God. And let me tell you something. What you witnessed here and this song was the power of the Spirit of God. You witnessed supernatural. You witnessed it. You can't help but have sensed the power of the Spirit of God. Jesus goes on to say, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is the peace. He's speaking to believers. This is the peace that passes understanding when Jesus says in John 14, Peace I leave you. 
People can't figure this out. Despite the storm in our life, there's a calm inside of us. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We'll go in the fire. And even if our God doesn't deliver us, we're jumping in. And they jump in someone like the Son of God. Hello. Jumps in the fire with them. And though they're burning all around them, nothing happens to them. They're at peace, walking freely in the midst of it. Because despite the storm that may rage around you, the power of the Spirit is the peace of God that surpasses understanding within you. Then he says this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, his grace. The life of Jesus displayed the great grace of God. He gave him the power to love his enemies. And that's why he went to Simon the Pharisee's house for dinner. Not to get him, but to get him. He, he, he loved his enemies So much so, Father, forgive them. That's the power of the Spirit. He placed his trust in God. He said, Father, receive my spirit on the cross. He lived different than anyone. It was sheerly evident that the grace of God was on him. His life was a display of the favor of God. And our lives, by the power of the Spirit, our lives are to be a display of the grace of God. We're to live different. We're to act different. We're to be different. We show the world, we don't need to go your way to be successful. We trust God. We we show the world that we rise above our problems. We show the world, Christians don't quit. Whatever comes our way, we will move through it in the power of the Spirit because we trust in the living God. Finally, Jesus closes the book. He goes and he sits down because when a teacher in a Jewish world would teach, they would actually sit. They they wouldn't stand like I stand. So, bear with me. He'd go and he'd sit down. And all the eyes, like yours are on me, right? All the eyes are like, okay, whatever he just said was super powerful. What's he going to say now? And you probably could have heard a hush in the synagogue, much like right now. He said this, today, this scripture has been fulfilled. Today. Church, in John 14, Jesus said, listen, I've set an example for you. I've lived in the power of the Spirit. I've shown you what it looks like. And then at the beginning of his ministry, he says to the group in the synagogue, today this scripture is going to be fulfilled. He was determined, determined to fulfill the mission of God. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, this is happening so that scripture will be fulfilled in my life. He was empowered by the Spirit to do the work of God. Listen, church, we are the body of Christ. And he gave the disciples his spirit. And he says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And the same way he operated in the power of the spirit, we as the body of Christ, can we say today, today, 
this scripture is going to be fulfilled in my life. I will proclaim. I will announce. I will live in the power of the Spirit. Come what may, watch me shine for God in the power of the Spirit. Listen again, body of Christ. Today, at Coast Hills Church, this scripture will be fulfilled. Amen. 